Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Reconomy podcast, where we discuss economic issues that impact real estate, housing, and affordability. I'm Odetta Kushi, Deputy Chief Economist at First American, and here with me is Mark Fleming, Chief Economist at First American. Happy New Year, Odetta. Happy New Year, Mark. Today, we're discussing a topic that is top of mind for just about everyone, I would say, and that is the labor market. And now you may be asking yourself, isn't this a real estate podcast? Yes, but being employed is a prerequisite to homeownership and just an overall healthy economy. And so today we'll be covering something that, again, is at the heart of of our economy. And as a lot of us know, this pandemic-driven recession resulted in the unemployment rate hitting 14.7% in April. That is the highest rate since the Great Depression. And while we know that the labor market continues to recover, that recovery is slowing. And even though we've gained more than half of the 22 million jobs lost at the onset of, of the pandemic, there is a concerning rise in permanent unemployment. And that has some implications for the recovery. But before we get into all of that, Mark, I kind of want to talk about what kind of jobs were lost in this decline and what kind of jobs were safe. Weren't we just discussing a recent report that talked about our jobs, specifically economists, and why they've gone relatively unscathed in this decline? So you gave away the answer before we could tell them about the report. Um, yeah, it talked about the idea of you know what kinds of jobs are more or less at risk of you know uh, getting the virus. This was a report that came out early on in the spring of this year, and lo and behold, you know there's the obvious ones. Basically, if you come in contact as a health worker, you're clearly more at risk. Um, if you have to be proximus with other people, so in the service sector, you're more at risk. Um, and the types of individuals that you are older or younger, things like that, that also make you more at risk. And what they found was um, contact with others and proximity to each other is zero for economists. Shocking. <laughs> I'm wondering what that's saying about you and I. We clearly don't like working with people. <laughs> yeah, we're we're definitely the the introverts of the social sciences, I would say. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Now, that said, more broadly speaking, it does get to this idea of, you know, many types of jobs. In fact, many of what we classified as as essential workers, you know, basically put people at exposure risk, but also had very important implications in terms of income levels and things like that, in terms of who got to stay at home and work and who didn't have the option to stay at home and work in the recession and now even in the recovery that's happening today. Absolutely. And and you got to this a little bit before, but this has been disproportionately hurting the service sector. And a, a big reason why is because we've had to shut down restaurants and bars. And so a lot of these workers have, have obviously, you know, lost their jobs. And we've seen that in, in, in huge numbers, especially at the onset of the pandemic, even though some of those people are getting their jobs back as we start to open restaurants back up in, in the fall although that is starting to reverse in, in the winter. Well, yes, the good news and much of what the original rebound in the labor market that you talked about earlier has to do with is many of those service sector jobs, most actually of those service sector jobs in the spring, were sent home as temporary layoffs. 
um, with the expectation that when allowed to reopen, they would return. Um, the return, though, didn't come back at full capacity. We have all the rules and regulations about social distancing and 25 or 50 or 75 percent capacity restrictions in restaurants and bars and places like that. And so not everybody who was temporarily laid off necessarily came back. Now, even so, those rebounds were great. I and mean, there were sort of 60, 70, 80 percent of in in many of uh, many of these sectors have already returned to work but what really matters is that remaining 20 or 30 or 40 if you're still classified as temporarily laid off but have been laid off now for almost a year at this point is that really temporary at all and we know that 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 permanent job loss that that share is continuing to increase. I think the last report that we looked at in November it was hovering at about thirty five percent, and that's really concerning from from an economist standpoint because permanent job losers are more likely to get discouraged, and what that means is that they're less likely to kind of pick up and, and start looking for a job once more. But the other side of that is that they might start to lose their skills and that results in, in a skill mismatch. Whoa, 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 whoa. Too much economics here. What? Let's try that again. If you're off, if you're laid off and out of the labor force for a long time, you have a skill mismatch. Oh, what do we mean by that? You lose touch with where you'd work before. You don't have the same skills. And that generally depends on, honestly, the type of job that you have. I don't know that being out of work as a restaurant server or a bartender necessarily creates big skill mismatches over a year. Okay, maybe you don't know the latest and greatest, most popular drink at the bar these days, but it does have bigger implications for other kinds of jobs that are much faster moving, more in technology and software development and places like that. This skill mismatch problem of basically not being able to return as easily to the labor force or to work. Ah, there's another economics term I should try not to use. Um, returning to work in, in an, in a, with a skill that is still valuable in work. That's the key. And you're getting to kind of the, the heart at the issue here, a skill that is valuable. And that speaks to the miss, I'm not, I'm not going to say mismatch, I've, I've learned my lesson, but it speaks to the kinds of jobs that are open right now, the kind of jobs that are in demand versus the types of jobs that people are looking for. And that really brings us kind of back to what we were talking about, which is what kind of people lost jobs, people in the service sector, younger, less educated, lower wage workers are the kinds of people that lost their jobs. But we're seeing the types of job openings right now in high tech sectors, in, in kind of higher skill, higher paid uh, positions. And so this is what I mean by mismatch is the types of jobs that are open are not necessarily the types of jobs that people are, are looking for, especially those that are unemployed. And that has negative implications on, on the economy. That's absolutely right. That's not necessarily something that is purely pandemic driven. We already saw in our in our economy leading into the pandemic that there's a broader shift in terms of the sectors of our economy that are growing faster than others, largely in tech and the subsector sub parts of the service sector because service sector is very very large that is more oriented towards technology and software and ai and machine learning and all those kinds of things relative to an otherwise relatively stable sector that is you know 
working in restaurants and bars and things like that, there's a general demand for those services. Those are called locally untradeable services that these people, we always need the restaurants and bars and uh, dry cleaners and nail spas and places to go to in our local marketplaces. And that's really who got hit in the pandemic. And also with the restrictions, there's not as much demand for those types of local jobs as there was before, while there's still tons of demand, even more so now, for the software developer types of jobs. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the way I like to think of it is typically in recessions, you know, I'm still going to get a haircut, right? In, 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 the, in the Great Recession, I'm still going to go out and, and get the haircut. But this is a health-driven crisis. And so those barbers were significantly impacted in this decline, but that is not the norm. That is certainly not the norm in past recessions. Well, you luckily didn't see me without those haircuts because it got messy. And as I like to say, you know, that's that's consumption gone. You know, you don't catch up on your haircuts. You don't catch up on the visits to the restaurants, much as I might like to try and catch up at happy hour with my frosty cold beverages, it's just not going to happen. And that's where we talk about this dynamic in a more economic sense. Okay, well, well you started it, so I'm gonna continue <laughs> it. Something in economic sense. Economists love love curves to explain relationships, right? We, we've, got a, we've got a lot out there. And the concept that you were just describing is something that we like to call the beverage curve. Not, See my not reference there? Uh-huh. Frosty beverages? Yes, yes. The, the deferred consumption. Uh, but the beverage curve here is spelled a little bit differently. And really what it's what's explaining, it's the, the supply and demand dynamic between unemployment and the job vacancy rate. Over to Mark for the non-economist <laughs> explanation of what I just said. Yeah, what, what? I'm lost. Say that again, the supply and demand dynamic. Okay, so when the unemployment rate is really high, that means there's not a lot of demand for jobs. Um, ergo, April, when the unemployment rate was 14.7%, and there was not a lot of demand for people to work in many of those service sector jobs, as we refer to. Conversely, supply is a function of how many people are out there and how many job openings are there. And so the more openings there are relative to that demand, that's an indication of how many people are getting the jobs when there's not many openings. In other words, the jobs are being filled really quickly. That implies a lot of supply. And so this beverage curve sort of maps out this relationship is how much demand by industry and the economy is there for labor and the vacancy or opening rates measure how many people are out there who want to get the jobs. Right. And this relationship is usually, if you're, if you think about it in graphical terms, downward sloping. And what's happening in our economy right now, which, which we've described is that this curve has shifted to the right. And what that means that for, is that for any level of unemployment, there are more job openings. And that's because employers are struggling to find workers with the skills needed to, to perform the kinds of jobs available. In other words, they're looking for a programmer, but the person that's out there looking for a job was a waitress. And so this, this curve has shifted to the right. That's indicating, you know, there is this kind of skills. I'm going to say mismatch again, because I can't think of a synonym oh. right now. <laughs> Oi vey, mismatch shifting to the right. I'm having Econ 101 headaches here. I, 
I, I'm yes. sure there's there's a couple listeners that that are just you know being being placed back into their econ 101 classes right now. <laughs> I always like to think of it in in sort of yes unrealistic but stark and simplified terms, and that is to say that. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of openings for, say, software programmers, but the people who got laid off don't have the skills to be software programmers. Skill mismatch. And that also has been something that's been around in our economy and growing in our economy over the last couple of years. But the pandemic has significantly accelerated that or made more apparent, actually, that skill mismatch problem. Lots of jobs available in certain sectors, but the people who are unemployed are not in those sectors. Absolutely. But it's it's not all bad news, right? It's not all bad news because this is driven to a is driven by a health crisis. And so what that means is with this news of a vaccine in 2021, fingers crossed, means that if if we're all safely vaccinated, that businesses can start to open up. And what that means is a pretty quick rebound in all of these service sector jobs that were lost. It means we have all of this pent up demand. We have all, okay, I said demand, but we have, we're, 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 we're really excited to get back into the restaurant scene. We're really excited to get back to bars. We, a lot of us have increased savings because we haven't been going to these bars and restaurants for all these months. And so when things open back up again, you're going to have people consuming and that's going to make more jobs. It's going to open up the restaurants. You're going to get your waiters and waitresses back. And we should see a very quick, uh, quick rebound in, in those types of jobs, which, which is some light at the end of the tunnel here. Pent up demand. I'm so excited to go and sit down in a restaurant and not cook my own dinner. And I don't think I'm alone, but actually there's now concern that there will be too many of us too excited and these sectors that have been under lockdown and under capacity won't be able to handle us and in fact drive inflation up topic for another episode i suspect i absolutely think that we need to tackle the the prospect of inflation but you're right i've i've been reading quite a bit about you know well is hotel capacity going to be able to handle all the people that want that want to travel one day and all of this is remains to be seen, but it, it's certainly something that we're considering where this recession is is not like past recessions. And there is the ability for a very quick rebound, as we've already really seen in the last couple of months. Um, put aside the fact that that the winter months might be a little bit a little bit harder simply because there was an uptick in in virus cases and and closures of businesses once more. But hopefully that that should turn around um, as more folks are vaccinated. Completely agree. And just to bring it back full circle, because we do like to talk about housing here, you know, what does all of this mean for the housing sector? Actually, not a lot in terms of the fundamentals of the housing market and the sort of the aspects of the labor market recovery that we talked about and the hopeful strong rebound, particularly in the service sector as, as the vaccine comes out, all spells actually very good news for the housing market in the spring, because right now we're all you know, hibernating for the winter in the housing market while all of this is going on. But where it becomes more interesting and more important for us is in March and April and May. And certainly we have high expectations for much better economic news in the spring as well. 
That's that's a great point, Mark, and, and probably a, a, a good place to stop on, on some good news, but certainly we've talked about this before and, and we're sticking by it in 2021. The housing fundamentals are strong. Uh, you know, you still have a whole bunch of 30-somethings looking to buy that first home. You still have mortgage rates um, hovering near historical lows. Weren't we just saying this morning they just hit 2.65%? 2.65% a 50-year low. Odetta, are you still house hunting? I am still house Come hunting. Come on! I, I Your have... power is through the roof right now. Okay, I have no one to blame but myself and the fact that I am extraordinarily picky, but certainly I, I need to jump on this 2.65% bandwagon because that is cheap cheap financing and really is driving a lot of the demand that that we've been seeing and that we will continue to see in the housing market. So housing market remains a bright spot, but so does so does the broader economy, I would say in in 2021. Hope springs eternal. There you go, and we will end on that. So thank you for joining us on this episode of the Reconomy podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also sign up for our blog at firstam.com economics. And if you can't wait for the next episode, follow us on Twitter at Odetta Kushi and at M Fleming Econ. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Reconomy podcast from First American. For even more economic content, visit firstam.com economics. This episode is copyright 2021 by First American Financial Corporation. All rights reserved. For more information, visit us at firstam.com.